We're here with another episode of the Fight Talk podcast. Last week, we're all over the place. We ended up talking more about wrestling on Twitch, I think, than anything uh, between myself, John Mosley, and Steven Jensen. Uh, busy weekend, man. I've got a big week ahead. Uh, SCI week is is here a couple days out, man. Um, how are you feeling coming into this week, bro? Dude, I'm pumped. Uh, we got a lot of good wrestling, a lot of good MMA coming up. Um, obviously, I'll be watching the SCI tournament. I might be there Friday, potentially. I have that's going to be like a, a day of call. Saturday, I'll be covering UFC 265 for Fightful. We'll be having the watch along. So, of course, we'll be doing the uh, the predictions for that right here on this podcast. But uh, but yeah, look out this week. Anyone who's a pro wrestling fan, me and Moe's are going to be recording a SCI preview show. So that'll be later this week. It'll probably drop on Wednesday or Thursday if all goes as planned. So, okay. so yeah, very excited for that. And I'm uh, I'm excited for uh, for you to be up there working these shows, man. It's the SCI tournament is honestly like it's. I look forward to that more than pretty much everything all year in the world of wrestling for a lot of reasons. And uh, so this, so if you're a pro wrestling fan, watch it. IWTV use code Fight Talk F I G H T T A L K. Because you're going to get SCI on Friday. You're going to get SCI Futures on Saturday morning. You're going to get SCI Night 2 on Saturday night. And then Sunday is uh, IWTV 100, which is main evented by Wheeler Universe, Daniel Garcia, the 100th uh, championship defense of that title belt. So, um, I mean, if you ever wanted to use code Fight Talk and sign up for IWTV, this would be the weekend. Do it. Great stuff coming up. I can't wait. Um, yeah, it all kicks off Thursday for me on at TWE. That'll be on IWTV later. And then, as Steven just said, a, a full weekend SCI, man. Can't wait. I think I'm doing four shows in three days. Um, this is this is the dream, man. I, I'm, I'm ready. First uh, uh, SCI tournament as a part of the team officially. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't be more fired up, ready to get to uh, to Thursday night, man. But right now, we're actually we're going to talk a little bit about Bellator's 263, just the main event. We're going to hit the main event from this past weekend's fight night, and then we're going to we're going to do a little prediction for, of course, UFC 265. We will have a new interim heavyweight champion uh, lined up this weekend, this Saturday, August 7th. But um, yeah, kicking things off, like we said, big Bellator main event this past weekend, Bellator 263, Patricio Pitbull. We, we talk about a little bit here, of course, uh, just how being one of the best guys outside of the UFC, uh, taking the L though, bro, round one loss to AJ McKee, got, got the guillotine, um, yeah, quick. I, I did not expect things to go this way, bro. You could have gave me a hundred guesses. And I, I don't think I'd have guessed this one. Yeah, I mean, this this was a super impressive performance from AJ McKee. Like, I knew he had the potential to maybe beat Pitbull, but, like, I definitely had, had picked uh, Patricio Pitbull uh, for the, the win. Like, when I did my predictions for this, like, you know, I, I, I thought that AJ's – I mean, AJ's looked really, really impressive, obviously, but Pitbull, just much more experience. His only losses up to this point had been to Joe Warren, Pat Curran, or Pat Grant, rather, um, Daniel Strauss and um, Benson Henderson. And most of those were decisions. Two of those were split decisions. So, like, it's, you know, I, I just thought that 
you know, Pitbull is going to be maybe too much of a step up in competition for McKee, but that was not the case. And McKee is now 18 and 0. Uh, he's been getting a lot of finishes. His last three fights, his last four fights rather, were uh, either by knockout or submission. But the one thing I do need to bring up about this that I feel like not enough people are talking about, but I also haven't been like paying super close attention to the media following the fight, so they might be talking about it plenty. But um, so AJ, you know, he lands the head kick on Pitbull, and then he lands a punching combo, and it puts Pitbull down, and then McKee like prematurely celebrates like he thinks th- that Pitbull is knocked out and the ref's like no like you got to keep going so Pitbull or uh, McKee rather uh, puts Pitbull in a guillotine choke and it's definitely a really tight choke like he's got him and like no matter what like it's Pitbull's probably not going anywhere but the referee stopped the fight before Pitbull tapped out so like he never tapped and they, and they did call it a technical submission. Right. But, but it's one of those things where like, as a ref, you can't just take the, it was similar in ways to the Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler fight where it looked like Lawler was out. And like, that's not Askren's fault, obviously, but like the referee like took Askren's word for it. Basically like Askren like was like, he's out. And the ref's like, all right, this is over. It was the same kind of thing with this where like McKee's like he's out and the ref's like the ref just like stopped it. But you gotta get in there and like lift their arm or something. You gotta prove that they're out before you just stop the fight like that. Yep. So that's the one thing I do need to bring up about it is like did McKee win? Yeah, for sure. Like he won none of this is his fault. Like he won fair and square by the rules and the referee stopped the fight. Same thing I'd say about Ben Ashgren and, and Robbie Lawler. Like whether Lawler was out or not, you know, it looked like he wasn't. And it looked like Pitbull wasn't either. But I'm also not like faulting Ben Ashgren for that. It's not like he cheated. It's just that's how just how it worked out. The referee screwed up. So but but also it's one of those things like how do you has how do you you know, held the choke on for another two seconds, like Pitbull probably would have been out or he maybe would have tapped. Like he was, he was stuck in the position he was in and probably not going anywhere. Um, but because of that, and the main reason I bring all that up is like, I do think that the next fight for each guy, I think they'll run this back. Even though McKee was very dominant, Pitbull, longtime champion, you know, a dual division champion, lightweight and featherweight. Um, and then they're, they have at least that little pinch of doubt that you can throw in there about how Pitbull never tapped and was like debating the finish immediately. Um, So I think they'll wind up running this back. I think McKee wins again the second time. I think McKee proved he's probably the better of the two fighters in in just the two minutes we saw of each in in the octagon or in the cage together. But, um, but yeah, man, that's kind of all my thoughts about it. Like, I think McKee looked super impressive. I think he obviously, like, he totally legitimately won the fight and won the title, but Pitbull didn't tap out. Like, I, I, I want to see, you know, I want to see a tap out or I want to see somebody go limp before the referee just jumps in there and stops it. You know what I mean? So it, it just, it just is what it is, but huge, huge, huge props to AJ McKee. Yeah, no, got the uh, got the win, got the what the featherweight uh, title and a one million dollar win bonus for AJ McKee for sure. Looking forward to uh, would not be shocked to see this as a rematch main event 
possibly before the year's out, especially with how things went and no one's really injured. Uh, but, yeah, great main event. Bell Tour 263 left us with some questions, with some answers. Uh, never too upset about that, though. Uh, look forward to, to seeing what comes out of that. Also this weekend was UFC on ESPN. Hall versus Strickland was the main event. This wound up being a fun card, a lot of decisions, some some finishes on the main card, but we're really just going to hit this main event. Sean Strickland, unanimous decision win, 50-44, 50-45, and 49-46, all five rounds, all three judges, everything to Sean Strickland in the main event, man. Uh, how did you feel when the final bell uh, rang in this one, this middleweight scrap? I mean, I totally agreed with the judges. Like, it was a dominant performance from Strickland. Uh, two of the judges gave him all five rounds. Uh, one of them was a 10-8, according to the judges there as well. And then one one judge with a 49-46, which, you know, I don't know what round he thought Hall won. Maybe it was something really early, maybe like the first or something. But um, regardless, it was a very, very dominant performance. Sean Strickland looked awesome. Um, and he's a guy that's got a very bright future. Um, you know, Uriah Hall, this was a big loss for him because I think we talked about it. Oh, I've probably talked about it here on this show. I think I talked about it a little bit with Doug on last week's. But when you look at the rankings, Uriah Hall coming into that fight was ranked number eight. And above him, Darren Till, who's been inactive, like like they've been trying to put fights together, but just stuff's been happening. Jack Hermanson, who I think is coming off of a loss or or at least has lost pretty recently. Derek Brunson, who I believe has lost to Adesanya in the past. I'd have to double check mm-hmm. that, but I think he has. Vittori, who's lost to Adesanya uh, twice. Cannoneer, who's lost, uh, who now hasn't fought Adesanya, but has is coming off of a loss to Whitaker. Costa, who's already lost to Adesanya, and Whitaker's already lost to Adesanya, and they're supposed to run back Whitaker and Adesanya um, again. So basically, the reason I said all that is because Uriah Hall, if he would have beat Sean Strickland, he might have got next against Whitaker and Adesanya, um, especially if it was like a dominant win or something like very uh, decisive, like a big finish or something. But now, that's just not going to happen for Uriah, Uriah Hall. Like, I don't think he's... I hate to say it so, like, bluntly, but he's probably never going to get a title shot now in his career. Like, that was mm-hmm. his shot to get into a, a, a title opportunity. Um, Sean Strickland, though, now is going to go from number 11 up to in the top 10 somewhere. Hall was eight, so he'll probably, at the very least, he'll be in the top 10. I'd, I'd probably jump him over Edmund Shabazian um, and possibly Kelvin Gastelum, even though Gastelum is fighting... Um, he's fighting like next weekend or not next weekend, the following weekend, um, fighting Cannoneer next, which yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. So, um, so regardless, Strickland's probably going to be ranked number 10 or nine or something like that. Uh, you know, once the rankings get updated and he's in line for a big fight, like he should probably fight a, uh, like, man, honestly, if, 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 um, if Jared Cannonier beats Kelvin Gastelum, I would probably do Cannonier and Strickland. I think that'd be a really fun fight. And, and the winner of that would be right back in line for a potential title shot. Um, then you got some other options, obviously, like Marvin Vittori. You know, guy, the exciting, exciting potential here. I don't know what's up with Darren Till. I don't know if he's booked still or they're rescheduling him or 
it just always seems to be something going on with Darren Till. But Darren Till versus Shane or Sean Strickland would be really good. So he's got a lot of really good options and a lot of good stylistic matchups. A lot of people that'll stand and bang with him in the in the top end of the division. So uh, so yeah, Strickland Strickland put himself in a really good spot. He's going to get some really big fights now, and he's going to be looked at as a potential contender for the middleweight title. And Uriah Hall is, you know, he'll probably fight someone in like the top 15, top 20 next or something. But I don't know if he'll ever gain the kind of momentum he had going into this, like to get back into a contendership. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting looking back on the career of Uriah Hall when it is all said and done because of just the the peaks and valleys. Uh, Some would argue, right, that, I mean, he's really... He's not met the excitement that that started and and like we like looking back on it again hasn't been met that we saw in Tough Man with that spinning hit that spinning wheel kick. Yeah, and I mean part of that's the UFC's fault and Dana White's fault to be honest because like they were calling him the next Anderson Silva when he was on yeah. Tough and yeah. like those are some fucking massive shoes to have to try to fill you know like the expectations were super high, but. Rightfully so, like he was starching people. Um, and he had had, I think he had beaten Chris Weidman like pre tough at some point. Or maybe, he had lost, it was a, uh, he'd fought him, but he had lost to Weidman back in 2010. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. But, it, but so I guess the point more so being that he was, you know, he was fighting guys who were like, because at that point, Weidman was probably the champion or like about to become the champion. Right. So people were like, well, this guy's already fought Weidman before and like, you know, now he's out here just like knocking everyone out. Like this could be the next Anderson Silva. But uh, so, yeah, but I know what you're saying, Moe, is 100%. Like he looks super impressive on tough. Um, even Strickland said that after their fight on Saturday, he got the microphone. He's like, man, I watched him on tough. Like I'm a big fan. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. So it's, you know, he'll always have that. He'll uh, he'll never be the UFC champion. But he will always there will always be people talking about him because of tough and because of the expectations and all the hype surrounding him. And, you know, I don't think he's done. You know, I think he's still going to keep right. fighting for a while. But at the end of the day, like he will be looked at as a really solid fighter. Um, and hey, he has the if he if he wins like two, three really impressive KOs over, you know, some big names, he can get right back in the mix. Like, I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying like there's no chance he wins the title, but but and but and, but he's a, he's a big it's a big climb now. He was kind of right there. Now it's a big climb, and it also depends on the circumstances of who's the champion, who is the champion already beaten, and all that stuff too. Um, but but I mean, who who knows? You, I mean, you never know. The guy's obviously got a lot of talent still, and he has a lot of power. But he also is very hit or miss. Like he sometimes he's like, like I don't want to say it's like a mental thing because I don't know, but it, it's like he, it's like sometimes he just doesn't really pull the trigger, and then sometimes he just goes for it. And like when he goes for it, he seems to have like really good results. But when he's more reserved, it seems to be the fights where he gets behind and winds up losing. So yeah. it's like you just never really know which which version of him you're gonna get, you know. Yeah, a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but a few split decision losses. That kind of goes into what you're saying. And then, yeah, he had that stretch where in a row he fought uh, Gigard Musasi, Robert Whitaker, Derek Brunson, and Musasi again. Um, so big names littered. Uh, of course, the win over Silva. 17 and 10 career record. I feel like 
maybe I thought more like I thought he had fought more, I guess. But that's probably just uh, being, uh, you know, a part of we, we've seen him right since 2013. I mean, he only he only came into the uh, into the UFC with, I think, like nine fights. So we've seen, you know, the lion's share of his career in the UFC. So that's uh, that's probably why I'm thinking like, oh, this, you know, 20 something wins or whatever. But yeah, 17 and 10. Uh, 27 career fights, uh, and now with this loss to Strickland, you know he ends that four fight winning streak that started back in 2018. Uh, he he does though uh, he's two and zero or excuse me one and one in 2021. Now he beat Weidman, of course the leg injury uh, back in April. Shout out Chris Weidman, um, but for sure uh, you know he'll want to get back in there um, probably sooner rather than later and, and get this one out because it was man. Uh, you know, it was a great performance by Sean Strickland, 30 years old. Uh, very, very excited to see um, the next fight for Sean coming out of this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he has a lot of potential still. And for some people, being around 30 years old, that's like really your, yeah. your prime sometimes, yeah. you know. So um, he is putting it all together right now. He's got very crisp striking. He has good takedown defense. Um and he's got power in his hands and and he's got a diverse uh skill set standing like he's he threw good kicks as well and stuff mm-hmm. um and he has the mentality of a guy who like in all of his interviews and stuff that I've seen he basically says like I don't care how much money I'm making I don't care if I ever win any championships I just love the violence of doing this well, and it's like okay like he putting that guy on the screen cuz at least he's just He's, you know, I'm not saying this is necessarily a good or a bad thing or right or wrong. I'm just saying from a fan perspective, I want to see guys like that because they generally go for it in the octagon. Like, like I was talking about how Uriah Hall sometimes is kind of reserved. Strickland was trying to finish him the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. and and he wound up getting kind of tired towards the end of the fight. That's the only reason that the the volume kind of dropped a little bit towards the end. But, you know, that's going to happen to pretty much everybody. You get into the fifth round of a five-round cage fight. I mean, most people are going to slow down at some point. So, um, so yeah, Strickland, you know, like, like I mentioned, if he goes in there and he beats like a Jared Cannonier level guy, he's got a really good shot at getting a, a title fight because similar to the Uriah Hall situation prior to the weekend, um, you know, Strickland hasn't fought Adesanya before. So Adesanya is mm. already, he's already running all these rematches and he's already beaten some of these guys twice. Um, so they need new contenders at middleweight and Strickland could be one of those guys. I think. No, I think so too. The toughness, we know the, uh, the motorcycle accident since returning from that accident, man, undefeated. And, and like you're saying, just really locking it in across the board. Great win for Sean Strickland. Uh, uh, awesome. Again, a very good show, man. Top to bottom. Um, some really good fights on here, but, uh, but what we're going to, we're going to move on to, to really dive a little bit deeper into UFC 265, just a few days away now, um, this Saturday, August 7th, sadly, we can't mention it. We got to lead off with the bad, uh, get it out of the way. Of course, Amanda Nunes tested positive for COVID-19, uh, just a few days ago. So, um, that fight, her, her title defense. Um, that was supposed to be happening this this Saturday. It's supposed to be the co-main event. Will not be happening, sadly. I know that they are going to to um, to you know reschedule her and, and Pena. So we will get this fight hopefully 
you know, before we get too deep into fall and out of summer. But yeah, no, no newness. So that's a bummer for me, a bummer for us. We're both huge Amanda Nunes fans. I had that one circled. Um, but we obviously still do have a whale of a card headlined by the interim UFC heavyweight championship being crowned Derek Lewis versus Surreal Gone. We've also got Jose Aldo on this card. We I see, you know, Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque in the center of this main card. Uh, Song Yudong back in there fighting Casey Kinney. Prelim names. We've got, you know, Bobby Green and Herman's back in there. Uh, Alonzo Minifield and Ed Herman's kind of a sneaky banger. Carolina Kovalkovic, one of my wife's favorite fighters back in there. So there are some names. There are some sneaky good fights on here, Stephen. But I know we're both bummed um, about Amanda, you know, popping and not being on this fight on this card, not being able to fight. Um, how are you feeling though about this this big heavyweight scrap? I know Derek Lewis is one we've we've known for years, right? Uh, Gone has really really taken some strides this last probably year year and a half. Where are you at uh, on this main event? Just a few days out now, man. So there's a couple thoughts about this and this whole card real quick. So basically, you know, a big part of the criticism of of making this fight for the interim championship obviously is that. You know, Francis Ngannou is the true champion and has not lost uh, since winning the title or anything. And he's still trying to fight for the company, but they're having issues. Him and Dana, clearly, like there's stuff going on with the fighter pay issue and, you know, all that stuff. But basically, they felt like they needed a big title fight on this show. They felt like Amanda Nunez versus uh, Juliana Pena wasn't a big enough, uh, you know, fight to main event on its own in Houston with, you know, fans back and everything. So they're kind of lucky in hindsight that they did this because mm -hmm. when the Nunez fight fell off, because the otherwise what would have happened is probably we'd have Lewis and gone, but now like now it probably would have been promoted to the main event. If both guys agreed to it and now they probably would have thrown the interim title on it, which made it would have looked like way worse. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it would have been a literal last minute, like, we don't have any title fights. Uh, just put a title fight for Lewis and gone, you know, like, so, but that said, like, it's still, I hate to call it this. I hate to devalue anything these guys are doing because, I mean, the respect that I have for these guys who fight in a cage. I mean, it's on, it's unmatched by really any other kind of profession. Like, I have so much fucking respect for these guys, but it's a fake championship. Like nobody, nobody is gonna think of Curtis Blaze or Surreal Gone as the heavyweight champion, with Francis Ngannou holding that title. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's. I and, hate that that's the case, but it's and just he, the truth. he defended or he won it. It wasn't even that long ago. It was March. You know, we're talking. You know, a little over four months ago is when we crowned a new a new heavyweight champion. Exactly. I mean, it it just happened. There have been plenty of situations where fighters went way longer without defending titles and there wasn't an interim title, um, you know, uh, introduced. And even then, the interim titles mean nothing to me at this point because I'll never forget how Tony Ferguson's was handled, where he won mm -hmm. the interim title and then they just wound up eventually just stripping him of it and never giving him an actual title fight. So, like, what the fuck was the point of the interim title? Like, it didn't mean anything. So, like, I hate that for it because it's a part of the story is going to be overshadowed by by what I just said. And the thing with Francis, too, is, like, apparently Francis was willing to fight in September or, or some sometime very close to this, like, just a little bit farther out. He needed a little bit more time. I think he's, like, traveling back to, like, his homeland and all that stuff. Like, I you know, there was reasons that he 
like September just or August just didn't work for him. But he was good like September or, or October or whatever. Um, but once again, the UFC is going. Well, we need a title fight to sell pay per view, and if you're not going to be there, then we're just going to pull a new title belt out of our asses, and like that'll be the main event. It's like okay, and then the big problem too for uh, Lewis and Gone is that Miocic isn't going to fight anyone but Nganu if he's going to fight, and I don't think the UFC wants to lose Miocic yet because you know he's a big star for them also. So I feel like they're going to be in a position where they're going to probably have to run back and Ganu and Miocic again anyways because they're one and one against each other. And once, like I said, Miocic's not going to fight anybody else. Like he's either going to get another title shot or he's just not going to fight at all. Probably um, he did this during the Cormier trilogy as well. He didn't fight anybody but Daniel Cormier for you know years. So I th- I think that even if Blades and and Gon, whoever wins this fight wins the interim title. I don't think they're even necessarily the next title fight for Nganu. So once again, this belt just means nothing. Um, now, I guess you could go the route potentially of like the winner of Lewis and Gon fighting Miocek for the interim title. Then that gives Miocek a little more fuel for the trilogy fight with Nganu maybe. But that's a lot of play. A lot of pieces have to fall into place to make all these scenarios like exactly happen in these ways. But regardless, the fight itself if I if I had this on paper and I'm looking at both guys, like Gon has the crisper striking. He has the better striking as far as like uh the better kickboxing skills. Um he probably has better takedown defense. Mm-hmm. Um he definitely from what I've seen, I think he's got a better submission game. Uh he looks much more athletic. He he looks like an actual athlete out there. Um and I'm still taking Derek Lewis by knockout. so so like you know what i mean like it just i i the way that Derek lewis is able to knock people out especially late in fight or or at points in fights when like you feel like he's losing and then he's like just but he always has that ko power i feel like he's i think it's either going to be a really really boring fight and surreal gone will win a decision or Derek Lewis will get a knockout sometime. I, I don't know. I, and I can't even call like first round, second round, fifth round. I have no idea. But I'm taking Derek Lewis by knockout because he has the KO power. It's in Houston. He's going to be fueled by the hometown crowd. Um, I just think that Derek Lewis gets the job done and wins by knockout. Once again, if you're asking me logically, like on paper, if I had a, a big row of boxes to check for both guys, Gon's going to check every single box over Lewis except for KO power. Mm-hmm. But because I think Lewis's KO power is so dangerous, I'm still taking him. What about you? Yeah, that's the I mean, that's the eternal question in a Derek Lewis fight. Uh I think the best story is just what you said, Lewis finds a way to get the knockout. I I'm going gone. I think it's not the excitement and the go home if you will, moment we want. I feel like the fight game can be cruel. We know it can at times. Uh, I know Derek Lewis is the knockout guy, but I, I'll go back to the the Rosen strike fight with uh, Surreal Gone. And I know Derek Lewis's knockout power for sure greater than than Rosie, but that was a decision win. That was a, I thought Rosen strike was going to get the knockout that night. I could be wrong. Uh, I, I very well could be wrong Saturday. And for the sake of the the toyota center crowd or whatever they're in houston i hope it's a great knockout and they all get wild and, and have a great moment because that'd be great for Derek lewis 
it's more of just a, a big heavyweight brawl in my eyes because I'm on the exact same page with you that Francis Ngannou is my heavyweight champion. We all know it. Um, still, though, I'd love to see Lewis get that moment. I don't think he does, man. I think Gon wins a decision, and, and it's what we're afraid of. I think, think we maybe get um, lightning and, and spurts for those first couple rounds, and then those last couple could very well be very, very, uh, let's just say, not exciting is, an, is a, a nicer way of saying boring. But, yeah, I think plenty of storylines, but, man, we all know it. Like, either – Either Derek Lewis is going to get this knockout, or we're probably getting a, a boo bird filled uh, final round or two. Yeah, and I think I think that opinion is like totally that's a totally justified way of looking at the fight for sure. Like I and and I like the comparison with uh, Gone versus Rosenstrike because, like you said, I do think Derek Lewis is a bit more dangerous than Rosie is, but like. Rosenstrike is super dangerous. Like I got to pull up his record, but he's probably only lost like twice, and it's like to the top guys. Yep, to Ganon and Ganu. There you go. There you go. Um, and he's been able to knock out guys like Alan Crowder, Arlovsky, Overeem, JDS, Augustus Sakai, um, Junior Albini, and so that's a that's a really good comparison. Like because Rosenstrike still, if I looked at the rankings, he's probably still in the top five of the heavyweight division. I would assume. Yeah, you um, think he's at number six currently, but that ah. that could, that could change with with one knockout. I mean, I don't know who he's supposed to fight next. Let me see if that's been announced. Um, he's fighting Curtis Blades next month. Okay, so that's a big one for both guys. And mm-hmm. I love that that matchup makes total sense. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's a good comparison. Like if Gon can fight Lewis the same way he was able to fight Rosenstrike, I think Gon runs away with it, just like you said. But if uh, if Lewis can get on the inside and actually land, because all it takes with him is one. I know that yes. sounds kind of cliche, but like that really is the truth with a guy like Derek Lewis and a guy like Rosenstrike, to be honest. They're both both similar in that sense. But um, and then when you look at their records, too, I mean, gone is nine and zero in MMA after having a Muay Thai career where he was undefeated. And then you have Derek Lewis coming off of four fight winning streak over Blagoy Ivanov. Elio Latifi, Alexi Olenek, and Curtis Blades. So um, Lewis has absolutely earned his way to a title shot, but it's just, it should have been Lewis versus Nganu rematch because yes. that first fight was awful. But th- so it's like, you know, it's going to be better than that at, at the very least. And Lewis has worked his way up through all these, uh, you know, impressive wins. Um, but also gone is in the mix. I mean, if, if it wasn't going to be Lewis, it should have been gone anyway. So Anyway, regardless, hopefully it's a good fight. You know, we I, yes. there's just there's just no. It's either going to be real exciting because of a knockout or really boring because of a decision, in my opinion. But, but you know, we'll see. And in Houston, like we've been mentioning, Derek Lewis country, he'll come out to Fat Pat. Like the place will lose it. I mean, it's going to be a cool scene. Um, but will it be a scene that ends with? you know, surreal gone getting his hand raised or will be a scene ended with, you know, Derek Lewis doing his RKO, like, you know, <laughs> punch in the ground type thing as the crowd goes insane, you know, so we'll see what happens. But so I've got Lewis and you've got gone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've got the exciting finish. I'll go the less exciting gone uh, dis- decision when new interim champ surreal gone. That'll be, of course, the main event Lewis versus gone this Saturday, August 7th all over ESPN plus pay-per-view 
the new co-main event now, uh, Jose Aldo, man, hasn't fought yet in 2021. He was 1-1 one one last year, 2020, uh, in there with Pedro Munoz, bro. This is, uh, I mean, this is one that um, I know the just the, the bloodthirsty UFC and the MMA fans, man, they're going to be excited about. But for those maybe underestimating, right, the, the casual fans, if they see Jose Aldo and maybe if, if they do think he's a step behind or if they don't under uh, understand the, you know, what Pedro Munoz brings, bro. This is a, a very good, it may not have all the stakes. It certainly doesn't have the stakes of the original co-main event, but this is a very, very, very good fight. Oh yeah, this is an awesome fight. And Bantamweight's such a great division. Like uh, right now, Aldo's ranked number fifth and Munoz is ranked number ninth. And they're also, everyone just got bumped down a spot because TJ's back in the rankings. Yes, um, but, uh, but, you know, and the way that that's going to play out, just for the record, like TJ should fight the winner of Yon versus Sterling rematch. Um, so they'll get all that figured out at the top of the division soon. And Corey Sanhagen's still right there. Like his loss to Dillashaw was so close and so debatable that like he's he didn't really get hurt much by the TJ loss. The only thing that sucks for him is he would have got the next title shot if he would have won on the scorecards. But when you look outside of that. I mean, it's amazing to say, but, like, if Jose Aldo were, were, were to, like, smoke Pedro Munoz, he'd be probably one win away from another title shot, potentially. Amazing. Like, amazing. I mean, it really is. I mean, he's – and it also depends on who the champion is. Like, he's lost to Piotr Jan. So, like, if Jan's the champion, they probably don't run that back. But if Sterling – I mean, I expect Jan to retain personally, but if Sterling wins and he somehow gets past Dillashaw also – I could totally see Aldo versus Sterling being a, a title fight potentially. So like there's, there's still a lot on the line for Jose Aldo at this point in his career. He's still in the mix as a contender. Now he lost the, the three fights in a row prior to beating Marlon Vera last year. But once again, we're talking Alexander Volkanovsky, Marlon Marias, which was a split decision that was so debatable that he still wound up getting a title shot off of the loss. Yeah, and then uh, lost to Piotr Jan, who, in my opinion, is the best fighter at in the bantamweight division right now. Um, and then you got Munoz on the other side, who is coming off a decision win over Jimmy Rivera, had lost a close split decision to Frankie Edgar right before that, and lost to the current champion Aljamain Sterling by unanimous decision right before that. Wins over guys like Brian Caraway, Cody Garbrandt. I just mentioned Jimmy Rivera. Um, so there's. This is a really good fight. This is great stylistically, too, because Munoz is a real grinder. Like, he'll really stay in your face and, and keep, you know, he's got great conditioning. And then Aldo is, like, still a world-class striker. And so I think it's going to be a lot of Munoz coming forward and maybe trying to grapple a bit. But he's still got, you know, dangerous strikes. And then you got Aldo probably working leg kicks and, and doing all the things he's done that just makes him so successful throughout his whole career. Um, and this is a really tough one to predict as far as a winner, but I got to go Jose Aldo. I, I feel like he's still the the thing about Jose Aldo that I think is completely just an absolute mind fuck is that he's only 34 years old. Like, yeah, I just saw that myself and it blew me away. I was like, I was thinking maybe he was a little closer, 37 to 36, 34 years old. This will be his 37th fight. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, because like Munoz is is thirty four as well, um, and he's had uh, twenty five fights, so it's like 
you know, 25 fights versus 36 fights, pretty big difference, same age. And that's the thing with Aldo. Like, if you were to ask me, like, if I didn't know Aldo's age, I would have thought he was, like, in his 40s or something because I've been watching the dude since 2004. So it's like, I can't believe he's still only 34 years old. Like, he's still, it's hard to call him still in his prime because of all the the wear and tear in the years of his career. Mm -hmm. But, like, Physically speaking, he's probably still pretty close to his prime. Like, he probably is, which is really wild to think. Like, he could still be around for another 10 years if he stays healthy, which is like, he could still win championships. Like, when when he was losing to, uh, after the Max Holloway losses, I was starting to get kind of like, uh, is he does he still have it? But Max Holloway is, like, maybe the best guy to ever fight at featherweight. So, like, can you really take anything away from him? The Conor McGregor loss... That just is what it is. Conor McGregor, yeah. he was Conor McGregor was a moment in time that nobody was going to be able to stop at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was just a that was an anomaly of a situation. The rise of Conor McGregor and and Aldo was just wrong place, wrong time, and ate that left. But but then you still saw him like I mean he rewon the title from Frankie Edgar when Conor vacated. He beat Jeremy Stevens and Hanato Mokano by not by TKO. Then he had that three-fight losing streak where you're starting to go, does he still have it anymore? But, like, he's losing to the best guys. And Marias's fight was so close, he's still got a title shot. So it's like, I feel like Aldo is still right there. I mean, it's it's so weird to say, but, like, I think he's still almost as good of a fighter as he's probably ever been. And Bantamweight is a new, is a new life for him. Because he's been doing all this at featherweight. Now, if he can keep making Bantamweight safely, this is a whole new list of people for him to fight. So, yeah, I'm taking Jose Aldo. I think it's a great matchup, though. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm picking Aldo because of the last performance. Uh, I, I thought he was going to lose. I did. I really, I'll admit it, I thought Vera was going to beat him. He, he got a very impressive unanimous decision win back in December over Marlon Vera. Uh, Pedro Munoz got the hands. I know everyone, probably the first fight you think about, that, that fight of the night win over Cody Nolov back in 2019. Yep. Since then, um, some tough losses, man. Lost to Aljo, lost split decision to Frankie, and then, of course, the unanimous decision win over Jimmy Rivera back in February of this year. Three of the last four fights uh, for Pedro have been fight of the night. I think this could be a sneaky fight of the night, especially depending on what happens with that main event. Uh, I'm going to go Aldo. I think you, I mean, just we talked about the history and what this guy means and what he has shown. I, I do, man. I think he gets it done. I think it's a great fight. Um, he just has a little bit more than uh, than maybe any of us realize at certain times, man. I'm, I'm with Aldo. I'm with you. Nice. Yeah, I think it's going to be a damn good fight. And, like, they, like, I'm glad you mentioned the Garbrandt knockout for Munoz because that really, that right there is also something that's, like, if he does that to anybody, it's it's lights out. Oh yeah. So dude. there's there's you can't forget that. So yeah, I, I'm taking Aldo as well, like like we've mentioned. But it wouldn't be surprising at all to see Munoz get the win in this one. It's just a damn good fight, and it's a fight that's got, uh, you know, it's it's a real it's a big fight at bantamweight. I mean, the the winner of that is very much in the mix in title contention. Yeah, real talk. Uh, one of, you know, it's so hard. There's so many great moments in a year of MMA, but 
Um, that that if we're talking one round fights, man, that that Cody Garbrandt, Pedro Munoz fight back in March of 2019, one of the wildest. So if you haven't in a while or haven't seen it at all, go back, check that out. ASAP, man. Great fight uh, before this Saturday when Pedro will be in there with one of the best to ever do it, man. Jose Aldo co-main event. Moving right along to the welterweight division. A lot of stakes in this one as well, man. Uh, both these men with winning streaks. Michael Chiesa coming in, I believe, on a four-fight winning streak. He is. Has not lost since Showtime Pettis submitted him back in 2018. In there with Vicente Luque, who, man, I every time I look at his, his record, it blows me away just how many wins, like, he lost to Leon Edwards back in March of 2017. He would not lose again until November of 2019 when he lost to Wonderboy. Since then, three wins in a row. All three of them finishes. Two or a knockout, a, a TKO, and then in the most recent, the uh, submission victory over Tyron Woodley earlier this year, bro. Both very confident, both feeling very good about themselves, both knowing can't be too many wins away from really uh, staking a claim to that welterweight title or at least being in contention. A huge fight, man, here in the middle of this main card. Yeah, I echo everything you just said, too. I mean, this is like, this is a really big fight at welterweight. Um, So stylistically in this one, it's, it's really hard to call because Chiesa definitely is going to have the advantage on the ground. Luke is definitely going to have the advantage on the feet. The fight's going to start standing, obviously, but Chiesa does a really good job of just smothering people on the ground, just getting people there and just completely controlling them. Um, if Luke can stop the takedown, I think Luke wins. If Luke can't stop the takedown, I think Chiesa wins. So just a matter of does Chiesa mm-hmm. get those takedowns, you know? And I'm going to say he does. I, I'm going to take Michael Chiesa to win. I, I think that he has looked so good lately and his conditioning is so good that even if he can't get the submission, if he can get Luke on his back, I don't think Luke gets up or at least it, it at least it wears on him enough over the fight to where Chiesa can get a decision. Um, but it's just it's really hard to call because Luke has looked awesome. You know, obviously his last three wins. You've got uh, the TKO over Nico Price, the knockout over Randy Brown, and then the uh, the submission over Tyron Woodley. So, you know, Luke's got a little submission game, too. He he got the same choke on Nico Price years before that, and over uh, this Alvaro Herrero as well, this uh, Bravo choke that he uh, he seems to love to implement. But, but that said, like, if I had to go, like, pick one of the two who, who would win just straight up like jujitsu i'm still taking michael case all day in that scenario like his jujitsu is is very 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 good um but it's a it's a fucking great matchup and and as far as for the division welterweight's so strange because you're gonna have covington and usman run the run it back um burns is gonna be right there i mean and you got Edwards, who probably already should have gotten a title shot, but, like, is getting boxed out still. Steven Thompson's coming off the loss to Gilbert Burns, so he's kind of out of the mix at the moment. If he wins another fight, he's back in, but he's coming off a loss. And then right underneath is where you got Chiesa ranked at five and Luque ranked at six. Right underneath them is Jorge Masvidal. But then another uh, another X factor here is you always have Nate Diaz looming in the division, you got Nick returning against Robbie Lawler. If 
if somehow, like if, if Nick beats Robbie Lawler, like if he knocks him out again, I could see them just doing Nick versus whoever the champion is, especially if the champion winds up being Colby Covington. Yeah. Like if, if Covington beats Usman, I would do Nick Diaz versus Colby for sure. If Nick, um, and I know a lot of people listening to this probably go like, that's completely insane. I understand rankings wise, it it would be it would be completely insane. But the UFC is also in the business at the moment of just doing fights that they think fans are going to pay for, and you would never have another opportunity to get Nick Diaz into a title fight that made any sense. Unless it's like Jorge Masvidal was the champion or something, because you have the, the backstory with Masvidal and his brother Nate and everything. But um, that said, the reason I bring all this up is because in like in a perfect world, you know, Leon Edwards is probably fighting Usman. Covington's probably fighting Burns or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, the winner of Kiesa and Luke is probably getting the next title shot. But especially because they haven't fought Usman yet. That's a fresh matchup. But you just never know. The welterweight division is so screwed, so screwed up in so many ways. It's a very exciting division, but like the rankings really just don't make, just don't really matter within the division. And of course, you always have the the potential of Connor fighting more welterweight versus you know lightweight and stuff. So it was just a lot of moving pieces of welterweight. But if Michael Chiesa or Vicente Luque could get a dominant, like standout type finish in this fight, they'll make a case for getting into. Like, if one of these guys could fight Leon Edwards or Gilbert Burns and beat either of them, it's undeniable that they have to get a title shot after a win like that. Mm. So I think that's where this sets these guys up at. Like, the winner of this fight is set up for either, like, an Edwards or a Burns or a Colby. Like, someone, one of the top three guys in the division, potentially even a title fight, depending on how the cards fall. But... Yeah, it's huge. The the winner is potential title shot. The loser is going to be back to fighting like guys ranked between 10 and 15 probably. So it's, Ooh. you know, but that's just the, the, the fact of it. Because when you look at the rest of the division, right underneath them is Masvidal, Magni, Balil Muhammad, Jeff Neal, Damian Maya, G- Lee Jingliang, Santiago Ponzinibbio. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's going to be killers no matter where you're, where you're at. But one guy is going to go towards like the top three. The other guy is going to go towards like the bottom 10 you know what i mean so um but who do you think wins this one i'm gonna take Kiesa because of his grappling but um this is it's a very 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 good matchup yeah great fight very excited for it i'm going Kiesa as well mainly because of of who he's beat this is something I, you always do a great job of pointing out uh big wins over name you know rda a former champion diego sanchez i know this is the tail end of his career but that name means something same with with Carlos Condit, um, I just I feel like yeah the the win over Neil Magny, who we love talking about and discussing, is maybe being one of the le- like probably the most talked uh, the least talked about probable Hall of Famer. Maybe one day Neil Magny shot him out. Um, yeah, I just I got Kiesa. I think he's been in there with some real some real killers, some sharks. Uh, he's won some, he's won some. He's lost some. I uh, just I just feel like he's gonna be a little bit better. Maybe know a little corner here or there that he can cut that uh that he can get this one done. Uh, but I'm with you, man. This the stakes of this one incredible. Uh, it feels like both men really brewing closer and closer. And then like you said again, a win here, especially a dominant win here, goes a long way um, in that welterweight division. I want to shout out real quick. It actually is Nick Diaz's birthday, so let's shout out Nick Diaz. We got a little. 
Nick mentioned in there uh, with possibly a, a uh, big steps on the, uh, the the rematch with Lawler. 38 years old as we record. Nick Diaz. Shout out Nick Diaz. Hell yeah. Nick Diaz Army. Let's go. Nick, I, yeah, I'll say <laughs> Yeah, obviously I am a big fan of Robbie Lawler too. Like, I, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I, I'm, a, I, I'm nothing but respect for both of those dudes. But, you know, if someone had a gun to my head and they're like, you got to name your favorite MMA fighter of all time. The first name coming out of my mouth is Nick Diaz. Nick, so yeah, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, shout out to Nick. I would even be like, I would even be so precise. I'd say strike force Nick Diaz. <laughs> yeah. Nick Diaz and Paul, Paul Daly. <laughs> that, that guy. That's my favorite. Number one. No questions asked. Yeah. Shout out the birthday boy. One more time. Nick Diaz army coming at you in 2021. Love to see it. Uh, moving on, man couple more on this main card, and then uh, Steven's going to circle some for us to watch in the prelim card. Um, of course, early prelim card, ESPN+. Plus. The prelim card you can find on ESPN2, and then this main card we've been talking about on the ESPN+. Plus pay-per-view. Next up, a women's straw weight scrap. Two names that jump off the page. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill. Man, I love watching these two scrap. This should be a lot of fun. Um I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I, I, it's hard for me to pick against Angela Hill. I just love what she brings. So uh, coming off that law, that win, excuse me, over Ashley Yoder, a couple of losses before that, though they were close with decision losses. I'm actually going to take Angela Hill in this one, though. Tisha Torres is a bad, bad person. Yeah, this is a damn good matchup. I'm a big fan of both of these women. Um, Tisha Torres, I have a little bit of a soft spot for because – like my my brother, you know, is a trainer here in Atlanta and mm-hmm. he he has some mutual friends with Tisha Torres. So I just I'm just always hearing how like good of a person she is and stuff. Um, so I just have like that little bit of a soft spot where it's always like, oh, man, I hope Tisha does well because she's like really cool to people I'm cool with. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like Angela Very Hill, cool. I just don't know anybody who knows Angela Hill. That's the only reason I'm not saying the same thing about her. I'm sure I could say the same thing. Angela Hill seems like an awesome person. Um a, a, a groundbreaker as well. Like I, I believe she was, if I remember correctly, like last year or something. I think she was the first ever African American woman to main event a UFC show. I believe which, so. Which I mean, I, I think that's correct. Ever, I, I think I remember that being a thing. Um, if not, she's still a groundbreaker, anyways. I mean, she's been in the company for, for how long now? 2014. One of the top women in the strawweight division consistently. Um. You know, fought in Invicta as well, was was successful there, won the strawweight championship in Invicta. Um, so I love this matchup. Stylistically, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, both women fight to a lot of decisions. Yep. Um, so this one, I think, could go either way. And it's a fight that it's scary because, like, Angela Hill, she'd be in such a different spot if she hadn't have had the Gedalia and Watterson fights not go her way. Like... Because she you know, both split decisions, and it was like, had she won those, and just one judge goes the opposite way, rather than being on a one-fight winning streak over Ashley Yoder, she'd be on a one, two, three, four, five, six-fight winning streak if those two split decisions would have went her way. So we'd be talking about Angela Hill as like, probably, you know, how is she not in a title fight at this point, you know, with six wins and all that. Tisha Torres has two wins back-to-back, but... The real story there, though, she had lost four in a row before that. But the list is Marina Rodriguez, who's very solid. Wiley Zhang, former champion. Yuan Jacek, former champion. Jessica Andrade, former champion. So it's like, 
she's only losing to the and the her only other loss in her career is to Rose Namajunas, the current champion. So, okay. yeah, I mean, and but she still has wins over Watterson, Beck Rawlings. She has a win over Angela Hill from uh, like five, six years ago. So, and she actually beat Rosamba Yunus uh, in 2013. Completely forgot about that one. That was an Invicta. Has a win over Paige Van Zandt from there too. So these are these are both two like legitimate veteran women in the MMA world. Tisha Torres actually debuted before in 2012. Um, so, yeah, this is like I'm gonna go Tisha, but this is like a, as pretty close to a toss up as you can get. Um, I just, I just, for whatever reason, I think Tisha wins, and I think it's a decision. I think it's just another one of those where both women scrap, and it's like a well-rounded fight. I think they're gonna, there's gonna be some good kickboxing displayed. I think there's gonna be some good grappling displayed, and I just think Tisha Torres is just gonna wind up in the more dominant position more mm-hmm. often than Angela, and that's why I gotta go with Tisha Torres. But it's literally like anyone who were to, were to pick Angela Hill, I would not argue it at all. So um, awesome fight. I'm gonna go Torres. And as far as for the division, I think both are towards the end of the top 10. Um, Torres ranked at 10, Angela Hill ranked at 12. So the winner of this would, you know, be right up there again with the big names of the division, possibly in the title mix. And I mean, for someone like Tisha Torres with her history with Rose has a win over her and a loss to her. You got a potential trilogy fight for the title maybe at some point. Um, so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of really cool things potentially. And I think it's, a, it's just a damn good fight, but yeah. So you've got Hill and I've got Torres. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you though. Great fight. Uh, very excited for it, but I, I'm just leaning Hill a little bit though. Like, like you're saying, man, we both are. This is, uh, this is another fight on this card that maybe a lot of people have kind of overlooked, uh, expect fireworks and just a really, really, really good fight. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think Angela Hill's kickboxing probably is a little better, but I think I think Tisha is just I think Tisha just maybe a little more well rounded. I don't know. It's such a tough one to call, but it's a yeah, it's a damn good matchup. Great fight, man. Again, this main card. Every fight we've talked about so far, we're we're all just kind of have circled thinking this or that from the last uh, fight on the main card, the opener for this main card on ESPN Plus this Saturday. Song Yadong and Casey Kenny, bantamweight scrap out of the gate. Uh, I know we saw Song, what it was back in March, uh, a loss to Kyler Phillips. So, not been that terribly long since we saw Song. A lot of uh, a lot of wins before that loss. And then Casey Kenny, we saw uh, also in March, both losing in March, though. Kenny, a, uh, a split decision loss to Dominic Cruz. Man, that feels that fight feels so much longer ago than just March, but. Um, both looking to get back in the, the swing of things in a win. Uh, Bantamweight scrap. Uh, again, man, this is another one. A lot of fireworks could go either way. I think I'm going to uh, – it's so hard to pick against Song Yudong. I'm going to take Casey Kinney because of how close that uh, loss to Dominic Cruz was. Yeah, I mean, that all makes sense for sure. Like, I – this was just another just really, really, really good matchup on paper. Like, uh, Kenny, 30 years old. Yudong – 23 years 23. old. 23? Oh, that's wild. And I talk about Song Yudong a lot. Like, I've, I've made it a point on the show many times to just point out, like, how impressive that is, especially to come out of China with the population there and how many people, you know, practice martial arts and, like, want to be in this sport. To be 23 years old and be, like, the best out of a whole country like that and be fighting in the UFC, like, that's – you got to be so damn good at 23 to break through like that. Um, so like, 
it's real hard for me to pick against Song Yedong. Casey Kenny is in a very similar boat. Like he had won three fights straight before the Cruz loss. Um, but once again, the Cruz loss was very close. And Dominic Cruz, in my opinion, Dominic Cruz is probably the best bantamweight fighter of all time. So, and still very, very much in the conversation of like, he could potentially be back in the title mix himself soon too. I mean, I love this fight. Um, man, as far as a prediction though, I think if it goes to a decision, we most it's more likely for Kenny. I think it's more likely a finish for Yudong. Um, and I got to go with Yudong. I, I just, there's just something about, there's, I, I just, it's, but it's, I'm, it's a very unconfident pick. Like <laughs> I, a, a big part of me wants to, wants to take Casey Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I actually thought Casey Kenny was going to beat Dominic Cruz. Um, yeah. I, I think very highly of Casey Kenny, but I also think very highly of Song Yudong. And I think Song Yudong has more ways to win. Um, or a more likely chance of finishing the fight is really in more particularly. So, but Casey Kenny's a really hard guy to finish. I don't know if he's ever been finished in his career. I don't, he hasn't, but by what I'm looking at. So, oh, that's a tough one. I'm I'm gonna roll with Song Yudong. It's just a gut feeling, but I'm I'm a very big fan of both guys. Both guys have a super bright future. Uh, I'm just I'm just leaning. My my gut's just telling me Yudong for whatever reason. No, I, I'm with you, man. This, this is a tough fight. It, it's weird not picking Song. I, I I want to. I love how you broke it down. I just think Casey Kenny, uh, I think he's going to do just enough, get the win, probably, like you're saying, by decision. Uh, but, but another very exciting fight. That's the uh, that's the main card again this Saturday, August 7th. Uh, it should be over after you get through watching SCI uh, over on IWTV Live. The main card should be kicking off. Um, uh, I can't wait, man. August 7th, Toyota Center, people in Houston fired up for Derek Lewis, uh, a main card full of just coin flip fights. Uh, can't wait, man. Can't wait to leave the, uh, I'm going to get out of the wrestling and go to the B&B and just watch this with the peeps. Um, are, are there any fights on this prelim card or the early prelims that really kind of, uh, kind of get you thinking that these are ones you can't, you can't miss. You got to be flipped over, uh, in time to see these. So, and some fights I'd highlight, I would definitely, uh, you know, Bobby Green versus Rafael Fazayev. That's the main event of the of the prelims. Bobby Green coming off a loss to Tiago Moises, but before mm-hmm. that had won three straight over Guida, Venata, and Alan Patrick. Uh, but Fazayev, Fazayev, um, he, he's a dude who, like, last, the end of last year in December, he looked like he killed Hanada Moicano with his knockout, like super dangerous looking. Um, so this is a this is a dangerous fight for Bobby Green. Bobby Green has a lot more experience, like way more experience. And he's been in there with some really big names, some really big fighters. Um, I'll never forget his win over Josh Thompson. Um, but, you know, he has losses to guys like Barboza and Poirier, but also wins over guys that I mentioned before, like Venata and Clay Guida as of recently and stuff. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a very big fan of Bobby Green's life story. The guy's overcome some just ridiculous adversity over his over his life. Um, but Fazayev, he's only 28 years old. He's looking like a killer. Oh, it's tough. It's like, do I go with do I go with experience or the younger the younger fighter who has looked just really really impressive as of late? I don't know. 
but it's very it's hard for me to pick, pick against Bobby Green. I just I I I've I've worked on videos over the years, multiple videos that had to do with him and in his in his whole life story and everything and the things he's had to had to deal with and overcome multiple family members you know being murdered and stuff and just like just the things that are just like you, you most people i don't think would would you know so, certain things happen to certain people enough times that they probably just give up on life you know this dude did the exact opposite and it's just really hard for me to pick against him no matter who he's fighting mm-hmm. um and you know, once again, the experience level. I just got to go with Bobby Green, but Fazayev is definitely somebody to, to keep your eyes on. And then uh, I definitely shout out to Ed Herman. Uh, he's fighting on this show. He's been looking good lately. Won his last three fights, um, which is like wild. He's still even out there. Started fighting in 2003, uh, fighting Alonzo Menafield, who is a very hit or miss. Lost uh, two in a row, but then recently won his most recent fight by. Von Flu, aka Saint Prue Choke. <laughs> um, but I gotta go Ed Herman, just keep it rolling, dude. <laughs> Another get a, if you get a four fight winning streak going, uh, that'd be pretty wild to see. I'll never forget him as an ultimate fighter guy, just walking around the house with a big uh, a big lip of chew in, uh, <laughs> you know, just doing his thing. True fighter. He's a guy who's just a true fighter. Like I like doesn't matter where he's fighting. Um I even remember when they sent him to Strike Force to fight Jacare. Like he was under UFC contract and, and Strike Force needed a fight for Jacare like last minute. And like they sent Ed Herman. And this was when I think it was right after UFC had purchased Strike Force. But uh, I'll never forget that. It was like and he lost to, to Jacare. But um, but I just remember little things like that. Like the guy's just down to fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. Doesn't always win, but it's always exciting. So I'm going to take Ed Herman over Alonzo Menafield. And then the last thing that I'd highlight would be Carolina Kolvakevich versus Jessica Panay, also on the prelims. Kolvakevich yes. has lost her last four fights. So this is like a real, like, she's got to win this fight because you it doesn't matter who you are. Being on a five-fight lo- losing streak is not a good look, um, even though it's the very good fighters. Um, and then you have... Uh, you know, she's lost her last, she's lost one, two, three, four, five, six, six of her last eight fights. Now, granted, there's names in there like Young Jacek and Gadea and Andraj and Watterson and stuff. I mean, very good fighters. Um, and then Panay on the other side has had her issues as well, has also lost to Watterson, um, has lost to Young Jacek, lost to Andraj. A lot of, a lot of mutual opponents between these two. But, uh, I think I, I got to go Kovalevich mainly because like back against the wall like and also Panay's last fight la- last win was a split decision that could have went either way so like Kovalevich it's it's really now or never like you're either gonna lose or probably get cut or win and keep your job so like I gotta go I gotta go Kovalevich based on like their 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 urgency there of getting a win um, but that's another good matchup there so really good prelims fantastic main card as far as like. Um, as far as like pick 'em fights, I mean, just a lot of really, really, really good matchups on paper for this one. So, um, so yeah, good stuff. UFC 265. Watch it this Saturday. You heard him. That'll be live on the ESPN Plus, on ESPN Two, and the early, early, early prelims also on ESPN Plus. Uh, gonna be excited. Hope you have enjoyed listening to us talk about this. Hope you enjoy watching the SCI on IndependentWrestling.tv. And, of course, this amazing card, August 7th, this Saturday, from Houston, Texas, UFC 265. 
uh, man, we made it another week. We, we knocked this one out. We're going to be back next week to talk all about everything coming out of UFC 265. Uh, and then our next actual uh, live UFC card won't be until August 21st at the Apex. That will be headlined by Cannoneer and Gastelum. We talked a little bit about that today. Really going to be deep diving that when we get a little bit closer. But uh, but that's, man, it's, it's been good. It's always fun to get in here and talk some MMA with you to start the week out. Uh, I'm, of course, uh, Mo's KOBK over on Twitter. Uh, man, always a good time to be here. Thank you for having me, as always, bro. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for coming on, as always. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's fighttalk underscore F-I-G-H-T. T-A-L-K underscore. If you want to check out the SCI this weekend, you want to check out, you know, IWTV 100, or even for later on when uh, whenever TWE drops, because you said that'd be not on Thursday, but it'll drop later on, right? Yeah, we're hoping. Uh, we got some pretty big surprises for Thursday, so hopefully that'll be up on, on IWTV within a week, you know, 10 days, something like that. Hell yeah. So you don't just get the stuff this weekend. Of course, you get all the weekly stuff. You get Action Clash. You get, um, I mean, really, I mean, Beyond Wrestling's back. I mean, like, there's so much good stuff on IWTV, so much good live stuff, so much good tape stuff that airs weekly. Um, Once again, use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. That helps me and Moe's out a lot. Um, So, uh, so yeah, anything else before I sign off here, Moe's? No, man. Take us away. Thank you. Get ready for this big card on Saturday. Hell yeah. For Jumpin' Johnny Mosley, I'm Steven Jensen. We'll be back next week talking some more mixed martial arts.